All right. Hi, everybody. This is Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to talk with my friends, learn something, and just kind of try to keep up with the new and interesting things that are going on in the equine world. Um, this webinar I'm really excited about because uh, we've been doing some CO2 treatments with my horse, Al, to see if we can increase some hoof growth. And Steve's been coming to the barn and we've been having uh, great chats. It's been really great to get to know Steve uh, twice a week at the barn. Um, but I don't know the background on all of this stuff. So this webinar is to really give us some understanding about uh, using CO2, where it came from, how it works. And of course, we've got Dr. Joyce Harmon with us, my good friend. And I always learn something from Joyce every time she comes on, even though I've known her for 30 years. So welcome both of you. Thank you for joining me on this webinar. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy, for having us. This has been, um, I'm, I'm Joyce Harmon. I'm a holistic veterinarian in Flint Hill, Virginia, right down the road. And Al, Wendy's horse, lives at my barn. And now she has coerced, co what is the word? Coerced. Uh, <laughs> my my mother's little pony who is uh, actually enjoying his new life, I think. I think yeah. he's really having a good time. So um, under Wendy's uh, educated hand, he is learning more than he's probably learned in most of his life previous. And we found out he was 17. Um, so I've been working with Steve for, how long has it been, Steve? A couple of years? Uh, it's uh, three years. Three years. Yeah. Um, developing this therapy or pro helping provide cases um, while Steve is collecting data all over the country. And the, the cases that are responding to this brand new therapy, it's, it's really pretty amazing and it's really cool. Steve's going to teach us a little bit about how it works, and we'll look at some cases and take some questions and uh, explore the real cutting edge of uh, treatment. So, Joyce, um, I well, I think Steve found you. I think that's how it goes, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Steve, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, and then you can tell us how you found Joyce, which is how I found you, obviously. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me, and um, and I've had a great time uh, getting to know you at the barn uh, the last number of weeks. So, and thank you for letting me be a part of this. Um, so, I'm Steve Macklin with Veterinary Transdermal. Um, we have a, a, a CO2 therapy that we have been bringing to the market for about five years now. My role has really been to uh, find and build relationships with vets, both in the field and in the research settings, um, to advance uh, the uh, this therapy and to uh, develop um, more science. We already have a lot of science, but develop more species-specific science around horses. Um, when I first got involved with this about five years ago, um, I started looking for vets about. Uh, to, that I could work with. I, I've been working in the vet world for about 10 years with another business that I had. And I've got some really good friends who are veterinarians and they gave me two pieces of advice uh, when I started this. They said, one is vets, listen to vets. They don't care what you have to, to say, which I completely understand. Uh, the other was that they wanna see research. So um, when I was looking for uh, innovator vets to work with people that that were on the kind of the cutting edge of, of what's next in the veterinary world. I had a number of people say, you need to meet Joyce Harmon. 
Um, and I, I got two introductions to Joyce, um, I think on the same day, one from uh, both from vets. One was, um, uh, they're both kind of in the Virginia region. And uh, just through a couple conversations and showing Joyce some of the science that we had, um, she had an interest and we started looking for cases that we could work on. Um, and I will say that um, through all this, Joyce has been a great mentor to me and has taught me a lot um, about the veterinary world, about horses. Um, she's helped me um, think through different ways that we could, we could use our therapy in the field, which has been really helpful. And I think ultimately will serve the, um, the equine world. Um, and so I probably spent more time talking to Joyce about our therapy and the ways that we could use it in the field than anybody else since we started this. And it's been fascinating to talk to her. She's got an incredible mind. And um, uh, so that's kind of where we started. And we've worked on all kinds of cases. And we're going to get into some of those in a little bit. I actually met Wendy. Uh, I think it's been two years now. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, I was down visiting a vet in North Carolina, um, Fernando Cardenas, and she was actually doing a training um, a, a, a down there at the same time. And I went over and introduced myself and, and I had heard of, of Wendy through Joyce. And I was like, oh, so you're Wendy. So um, we've texted a few times, but we really just got to know each other in the last month and a half. So uh, I've enjoyed it. Well, and, and of course with Joyce, one of the things that I know about you, Joyce, is that um, I think about the bits in particular, when you first met uh, the milers and you heard about the miler bits, you went back and you researched exactly why those bits were making a difference. So, you know, one of the things about um, Dr. Herman is that she's not just gonna take something on face value. Joyce always likes to research it and, and see how it fits within her body of knowledge. So I think that when, uh, it's a great combination for you to work with her because of that uh, ability to, you know, look deeper, figure out the research and, um, and, and give it a critical eye, I think That's is right. what I'm trying to say. Great point. Um, so Joyce, you started working with Steve and you started working on some cases, but I think what we're going to do first is have Steve, uh, he has a PowerPoint and kind of goes through that. So we understand what this, what this uh, therapy is, because um, the reason we're actually having this webinar is that I put up a picture on Facebook of Al in his, in his uh, boots having a CO2 treatment, and it caused quite the stir. Um, and so I thought, I don't really understand it. It's better to do a webinar where we can have the people who understand it talk about it rather than me trying to fumble my way through. And so that's really what this webinar, how it got inspired. Um, so Steve, why don't we just go ahead and, and start with your uh, presentation and then we can go to those cases afterward. Okay, sounds good. One second here. Make sure I get to the right one. And of course, if anybody has questions during the webinar, please put it in the chat or the Q&A. Um, and then if it seems appropriate to ask, I'll ask Steve your question. Great, so can you all see that? Does that look? Yeah, it looks great. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna go, the, the first slide I'm showing here, it just, it, it has the name of our product, which is Respidox. Respidox is a uh, pharmacopoeia grade CO2. So it's, it's pure CO2, it's, uh, it's made for uh, medical environments, and it is made to uh, FDA regulations in a uh, FDA regulated facility. And so Steve, just to clarify that a little bit, uh, 
like your average CO2 cylinder that you use for like, like the inflatable vests, you know, nowadays, a lot of vent riders wear these vests and if they come separated from their horse, it pops the CO2 and they blow up like a balloon and right. bounce. Um, but this is a completely different type of CO2, right? Completely different product. It has no contaminants in it. And um, we'll get into a little bit more of that uh, shortly, but um, because the, the, this is a transdermal therapy and the CO2 is absorbed into the skin, it's classified as a drug by uh, the FDA. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and so um, we, we manufactured this product in, a, in accordance with their regulations because of that. Okay. All right. Okay. So a little bit about um, uh, our product. Uh, this is it's a transdermal therapy. Um, transdermal uh, medical therapy is a treatment of medical conditions by the application um, of medical gas through the skin or into wounds. And so what we're doing is we are, uh, we're using covers to, to uh, cover a symptomatic area. We are sealing that cover and then we're filling it with a mist uh, mixture of CO2 or pharmacopoeia grade CO2 and water. And the reason we do that is because water um, increases the absorption of the CO2 by about three times. Yeah. Um, as I said, our product is called Respidox, um, and it is a USP pharmacopoeia grade uh, carbon uh, dioxide, and it's manufactured in compliance with uh, FDA regulations. Our device that we use to um, apply the, the gas is called the Airjector Vet. And so the Airjector Vet, as you're going to see, is just a device that holds our um, our cartridge and it mixes the water with the cartridge to the gas to create this mist. Um, so now I'm going to go through some of the, uh, the benefits of using uh, pharmacopoeia grade uh, carbon dioxide uh, on the body. And this is all supported by uh, numerous uh, studies on animals and humans. Um, the first thing it does and probably the most significant is it increases blood flow. And laboratory, laboratory studies have uh, on humans and anim, animals have clearly demonstrated that uh, carbon dioxide will increase tissue blood flow. Um, something important about this is carbon dioxide gas is bacteriostatic, which means that bacteria will not grow or multiply in this environment. Um, and this leads to a lot of different therapeutic possibilities in treating diseases that are burdened by poor uh, blood circulation. And we're going to go over some of those shortly. And, and poor blood circulation is the curse of the horse world because the whole horse's lower leg has poor blood flow. It just does not have a great blood supply. And that's one of the things that's really cool about this. Yeah, and, and to that uh, point, Joyce, um, uh, the, the genesis of this therapy uh, was uh, working with human ischemia patients that had uh, issues with blood flow in their, their lower extremities. And so there are um, a number of studies that showed when you used uh, medical um, CO2 on uh, these ischemia patients that they could uh, reverse the um, gangrenous uh, toes that, that patients would have. So it was pretty, pretty amazing uh, research. Um, we, uh, we have uh, EU certification in Europe for the human market, but we, we are bringing this to the equine market first uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, my, one of my partners has a number of horses. Um, I've been in the vet world for a long time and we know 
uh, that there are a lot of issues, like Joyce says, with uh, blood flow and lower extremities of horses. And I will say also our research and our case studies in the field have played out uh, exactly how we had anticipated based on the prior research that we had. Um, so um, this has been used in humans then for uh, how long? Um, well, it's been used as a therapy for humans in, for thousands of years in Eastern Europe. Um, so they, they have these CO2 baths basically where um, they would have people sit and, um, and the CO2 would kind of blanket over them to increase circulation for everything from arthritis to, um, like I said, uh, you know, diabetic patients that needed um, to improve their circulation. And so that, that I, I didn't know about that. So that's, I always learn something. So that's over in Europe. They've been doing CO2 treatments for thousands of years. Thousands of years. Thousands and of years. We don't, because you don't hear about that at all in the United States. You know, it's not, it's not a tradition here. So um, that's why this is so new in the, in the United States. Um, and, okay. and also I just have to ask one more question about that. How do they do the blanket of CO2 on the person? Well, I would call it more of a cloud. So they're actually sitting in a tub and they, they release the CO2 and it just is kind of sitting on top of their, uh, they're sitting in the CO2. Because it's heavier than air, right? So it kind of drops down. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, so another benefit of uh, CO2 therapy is it increases oxygen and just a 5% increase in carbon dioxide around the body will cause an increase in oxygen in the blood uh, and tissues. Um, and what you're seeing here is it's these pictures. These are pictures of our, um, our cover that has been um, filled with our CO2 mist. And so you can see it's basically a chamber around the, the leg and the foot uh, and I'll, I'll show you a video shortly of how this works exactly. And, and you'll get into how that increases the oxygen, right? Exactly, yes. Um, so another thing that, that our therapy does is it promotes angiogenesis, which is the creation of new uh, blood cells, um, so, um, which promotes tissue healing. This is a case we worked on recently um, where you had a, a cut in a very difficult area to heal um, and within a, a little over a month, um, it was basically completely healed. And at this point, you just had to, to regrow the hair. Um, and we've, we have uh, demonstrated this over and over in the field cases like this. And as you can imagine, because it's a new therapy um, and that's uh, hadn't heard of it, we're only, in most cases, we were only getting the worst cases that you can imagine. I, we, we have some that I'm not going to show here because they're pretty... Uh, pretty dramatic and pretty large wounds, but um, uh, over time, that's how you build confidence with a new technology is they give you the worst of the worst. And you, if you can, if you can help those, then, then you move on to other more uh, common uh, everyday uh, conditions. All right. So another important benefit of this is that it um, reduces inflammation and uh, normal inflammation in the body is controlled by a balance of pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory agents uh, called cytokines um, and immune cells, uh, white blood cells. Uh, and transdermal CO2 therapy actively de decreases inflammation by increasing blood flow, tissue oxygenization, uh, decreasing the concentration of cytokines. Um, it also uh, decreases pain, swelling, and redness. And these are all indicators uh, that inflammation has been reduced 
And we see, again, we see this in the field regularly. And this was only in three weeks. Is that, if I'm reading that right? That's right. This was three weeks. This was a chronic um, lymphangitis case, um, um, several years in the making. And uh, this is what it looked like after about a, um, three weeks of treatment. And Joyce, what's your typical treatment for lymphangitis? Because I'm not sure that there's even a good treatment. Um, I get a lot of chronic lymphangitis that I will treat with homeopathic medicines. That, up until this point, that's been my most successful. And yet the, the carbon dioxide really restores the circulation, it appears, in these legs better than anything that I've done. Wow. Um, I will also say in, in we've, we've, we have situations where we've, we've got some kind of edema in a horse's leg and um, the, uh, the vet will see a, a change in the edema after one treatment. Uh, I'm not saying that that's a cure, but uh, you can see a visible difference. And the other thing that is interesting, we work with uh, 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 one osteopath vet in particular, and she said that you can feel the difference in the, um, in the tissue in the leg after one treatment as well. Yeah. Okay. Oops. okay, there you go. All right, um, the, uh, the presence of carbon dioxide in the skin creates um, a process called the Bohr effect, um, where basically what you're doing is you're creating an imbalance of, of CO2 and oxygen. And when you do that, the body responds to that by sending oxygen and blood to that area and so you're, um, this is the foundation of the therapy. It's this, this um, process has been around for over 100 years now. And there have been studies uh, during that time on humans and animals of all kinds um, uh, demonstrating this. Um, and so uh, it's just one part of the process that we found, but um, it's an almost immediate process. Once you flood the body with CO2, the body will respond and react to that. So, so in a way you're kind of tricking the body to heal itself by increasing the amount of oxygen because you've made it think it doesn't have enough. That's exactly right. And so that it's, it's inside out, right? So you're, you're, um, unlike a hyperbaric chamber where you're forcing oxygen into, um, a symptomatic area, um, in this case, you're, the body is creating more oxygen because it thinks there's not enough. Um, one other thing I'll say about this is that um, once the CO2 uh, enters the skin, enters that barrier, um, the body will take the oxygen, will take the CO2 as far as the, the microcirculation will take it. My partner is a, a doctor named uh, Richard Rivers um, who um, I'd introduced to uh, Joyce when we first met. Um, it's his specialty is he's a microvascular physiologist at Johns Hopkins. Um, and he has spent the last five years, we started on this project together, um, uh, collecting data and prior research on CO2. And then he and I have been traveling the country, setting up research projects with universities uh, in different parts of the US. So this graph on the right, then, if we look at our, our uh, can you just walk us through the different colored lines so we know what we're looking at there? Uh, sure. So um, basically what we're showing here is um, when you are introducing um, uh, CO2 to the body, oops, 
Let me go back. Sorry. Um, you can see that the the uh, this line right here represents the increase um, in the oxygen uh, in the body based on. Sorry about that. Based on the the addition of uh, the CO2. So that's the body reacting. Um, and uh, what we're what we've been working on with uh, the um, New Bolton Center at the University of Pennsylvania is showing uh, that uh, through some uh, different wound studies that we can increase angiogenesis by increasing the oxygen when you're increasing the amount of CO2 that's going into the body. Um, the transfer of CO2 across the skin, um, the solubility of carbon dioxide in water is very high. And the reason that we create this mist and we also wet the leg, which I'm gonna show you in a minute, is it increases the, the amount of CO2 that, uh, that crosses the barrier. Um, carbon dioxide is 30 times more soluble uh, in water than oxygen. Um, and when, when the CO2 reaches uh, fat and muscle in the body, the solubility goes up even higher. Um, this uh, oops. This uh, diagram that you're seeing on this, this side, this is something from uh, 1930 showing um, how CO2 transfers across the, the skin, uh, the skin barrier. Um, and then on the, the right side here, this is a different uh, uh, cover that we use on the, on the body. And you can see, this is what the cover looks like when you first uh, inject the CO2. And you'll see over time, literally, as it absorbs into the skin, the cover will, will start to, to get closer to the leg. So the, the main um, benefits of CO2, sorry, I just got to move my here. The main benefits of CO2 uh, therapy by increasing the, um, uh, the level of CO2 by just 5%, you're increasing uh, blood flow to the tissue, you're bringing more oxygen uh, release from the red blood cells, uh, it activates the process of making additional capillaries and blood vessels, which is angiogenesis, activates the mechanisms that increase the number of mitochondria uh, to increase the um, metabolism of oxygen that is present. And then the last thing that's really important is that because CO2 um, gas is bacteriostatic, um, it means that bacteria can't grow. And we've seen in um, conditions like osteomyelitis and um, in horses that we can have a big impact in uh, treating conditions like that. Oops, one second. Um, I just want to go over uh, just the safety precaution because this is important. Um, because uh, uh, carbon dioxide is considered to be a drug, it is regulated by the uh, FDA. And these are some of the um, uh, contaminants and carcinogens that can be found in uh, uh, CO2 gas and why it's important to be using medical grade CO2 when you're treating animals and humans. Yeah, there's some nasties in there. Yeah, there's some nasties. Okay, so I'm gonna show you um, just a, this is a brief video that shows you how this is applied and I'll just describe it as we go along here. So the first part of this, the um, we're just wrapping the edge of the hoof because we're using a, uh, these covers are meant for one-time use. 
it protects the cover and makes sure that you're getting all of the application of the gas. Uh, she's putting on the cover after she wets the leg, which is very important. She's evacuating the air out of the bag. Then she's sealing the, the cover with um, vet wrap. She fills it with uh, our gas um, and water mixture, lets it sit for 20 minutes, and then she removes the cover. Um, this, uh, while this is, uh, you know, this is uh, managed by veterinarians, veterinarians, um, uh, vet techs, owners, trainers, anybody can do the therapy. And one of the benefits of this is it can be done uh, at the clinic, but it can also be done uh, at the barn. Um, I've done this in all kinds of environments. I've done this in um, lean-tos in the hills of West Virginia, and I've done this in some of the nicest barns that I didn't really know existed in Lexington and Wellington and other places. So it works everywhere. So one of the things that, that when I put that picture up on Facebook, everybody was, one person was like, that's a tourniquet on your horse's leg with the vet wrap on top. Can you talk about how that's not a tourniquet? Yeah, it's, it's not a tourniquet. It's, it's only, um, it's only tight enough to seal the cover. It's not tight. You can easily put your fingers in there. It does not restrict blood flow at all. Um, and that's why we use vet wrap. Uh, so um, a couple other things about that when you're, I'm just going to run through this one more time. Yeah, great. Um, it's, uh, it takes, once you learn how to do this, it takes about two minutes to set this up. It's very simple. Um, and uh, it has a calming effect on the horse. Uh, we've never had a horse that, uh, that we could not do the treatment on. Um, and if they're uncomfortable with it the first time, because it, it does have this calming effect, and it also has a pain relief effect, um, a lot of times they'll, I've had them just put their leg out. Like, is it time for my therapy now? Um, so, uh, but of course with Al, we just bring the hay cart and put it in front right. of him so he can munch on hay cubes for 20 minutes. Yeah. You can do it in the barn. <laughs> you can do it in the field. Um, it's, uh, it's very simple and it's quick. It's non-invasive. It's safe. You know, we've got multiple safety studies. Um, it, there, there are no negative, uh, inter drug interactions. Um, uh, the other thing I'll say is if you're, when you're dealing with things like an infection in the leg or the foot, because you're increasing, uh, blood flow, it's a way to enhance the use of antibiotics if you're using antibiotics. Um, and I, that's Joyce and I've talked a lot about that. All right. Somebody asked if you can use it with burns. Yes. Um, we actually, uh, there's a, a burn specialist in California who actually has our device. Um, uh, we don't have any data from that yet, but um, it, it works for, uh, for any kind of um, skin conditions, whether it be a burn or uh, we've had uh, great success with scratches as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then someone else says, can you, can you describe the differences between this treatment and hyperbaric oxygen? Yeah, so with the hyperbaric oxygen, you're, you're, you're forcing oxygen uh, into the skin. Um, you're creating an oxygen, oxygen environment. In this case, we are, um, we're creating a barrier of CO2 around the leg and it absorbs naturally into the skin. And from that point, the body is sending oxygen and blood to the area um, and releasing more oxygen. 
So you're basically, instead of trying to force oxygen in, you're causing the body to bring more oxygen to the area. That's right. And blood. And the other thing that um, one of the studies we did at, at New Bolton, which was important, was we did a, um, a skin graft study because skin grafts don't, can't survive in, a, in hyperbaric chambers. And in the study that we did, the, um, the skin grafts, they were punch grafts. Um, they had a, almost a 90% survival rate. Wow. What's the typical survival rate? 60 in the field. Wow. Um, this 40 to 60. I, I, what I will say, it was a controlled environment and we were working with, you know, our, our researchers, one of the best surgeons in the United States. And so there are lots of factors there, but the point is that they did survive that and they, they, um, they thrived in with our therapy. Cool. Does that answer the question? I think so. Okay. All right. So, um, Joyce, do you want to do? You, I mean, I can describe these if you want, or I can I can play the videos, and or you can describe the cases. What would you like to do? Um, or do we have any other questions, Wendy? Uh, not at this point. point. Okay, because we've kind of looked at the science side of it to understand what's happening behind the treatment, and then there's a. Steve's got a sample of cases that we've worked with. Some, some are my cases, some are other vets' cases, but cases that have been, that are examples of, of some of the cases, like chronic laminitis cases. I don't know, there's, you've probably got quite a few dozen studies now on chronic laminitis cases of a variety of sorts with some really significant results. This is a, a miniature horse, chronic laminitis, long time, long time client has done everything from a holistic standpoint that really can be done. But this, this pony started out with a pectoral muscle injury and that seemed to be the trigger. And yet with all of our other treatments, herbal treatments, homeopathic treatments, body work, this pony stayed really, really sore. And you can play that first, um, that first slide or first video. Ooh. Was the pectoral injury uh, asymmetrical? Was it more one side than the other? Yes, yeah. I, I don't remember which side it was on. Just play the first um, one again, Steve, okay? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And this is after a lot of really, really high quality treatment. And uh, so what happened, we decided to use the transdermal CO2 and from really the very beginning, I think even from the first treatment and certainly in the first week, the pony got, or horse, got much more interested in actually going out in the field and moving on her own. She, um, she got much brighter. She had gotten to the point when the treatment started that she really, she almost had to be carried outside. She really didn't want to go. And within a week, she started to actually, uh, I think by the end of two weeks, was actually pulling her mom out the door. 
because she wanted to go. Now, how often was she being treated? We, we did a, um, go ahead, Joyce. Um, I think we started one of the common protocols and, and they're still, we're still working out protocols and what's the best thing, but starting out doing a daily treatment for five days and then giving the body a little bit of a rest because when you're actually creating this, the, the angiogenesis is the growth of new blood vessels. And so that takes time. And it's looking more and more like we probably don't even need to treat these guys every day, even in the beginning, except for the really acute cases because the body actually goes into healing overdrive and, and produces a lot of new tissue, new blood vessels, even on the days that you are not actually actively treating it. So that's so interesting because the, the body's reaction is to increase the number of blood vessels to bring more, obviously to bring more oxygen, right? Bring, to bring more oxygen. And when you bring more oxygen, when you increase oxygen, tissue can heal. And it's not just when you increase the blood flow, and this is, I think, one of the big differences between something like the hyperbaric, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but when we are bringing the body's own blood, increase in blood flow, increase in oxygen coming from inside the body, at the same time, we're also carrying away oh. all the waste products. Right. So you're bringing in building blocks and then you're taking away the dumpster with all the junk right. so that you can, you, you enhance your healing process, whether it's a wound, in a wound you have, and, and a laminitis case really is a wound in the lamina, but you've got to get rid of all that cellular debris. It's got to go somewhere. So this increase in blood flow also carries away our waste product. That's right. I, the one thing I'll say also about some of these, um, uh, laminitis cases is is the we, we're working with a number of podiatrist vets and and so they're um, what they're finding is increases in vascularity after um, two or three weeks of treatment in severe laminitis cases it, cases that again they're end of life um, they can't they can't walk even in their own stall when we start um, and so we're doing more work with that right now because the the, the most significant thing that came out of our new Bolton studies was that they found statistically significant increases in angiogenesis in the treated uh, limbs versus the control limbs. Um, and that's a big deal. And I, so what we want to show next, uh, those were leg wounds. What we want to show next is we want to, we want to confirm that you're seeing the same thing inside the hoof. Um, and through things like venograms, they're seeing increased vascularity um, but we're working now on uh, doing a study to show increases angiogenesis inside the hoof. Awesome. Um, so. All right, can we see the after video? Sure. Somebody's outpacing their owner. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, this is the pony that they just about had to carry outside before. Wow. And, and we do have cases, uh, uh, laminized cases where uh, one in particular, again, where this horse could not walk out of the stall. It was difficult to get out of the stall just to do the first treatment. Within 10 days, that, that horse walked down the middle of, a, of the aisle in a very large barn, concrete floor. And um, soon after that was out in a, a small paddock out back and, and now it's going out into the, um, it's grazing outside. So one thing we're doing by reducing inflammation and reducing pain is we're enabling the horses to move and it's so critical in, in these laminitis cases and others too, so. Yeah, movement's really important. Yeah. So how many laminitis, laminitis cases have you done so far, Steve? Do you know? Um, uh, probably 15, probably 15 cases with, um, I would say surprising, from the vet's perspective, surprising results um, and some really severe cases too. And those are, you know, some are, are four leg laminitis cases, uh, metabolic cases, they're, they're different kinds as well, right. which is interesting. And so when you have a laminitis case, are you doing each hoof that has the problem or are you doing like that one with the four, the four, all four feet? Did you, do, did you they're, use the CO2 on all four feet? They're doing all four feet. Yeah. But this also has an, a systemic effect, right? Well, and so, yeah. So one of the things that, uh, because of what they found at New Bolton with the, uh, they found that there was a, a high, um, survival rate in this the skin grafts on the control leg and the treated leg. And so uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're doing a, a blood gas study uh, to look at the systemic effect, but we do believe there's a systemic effect. There's another case that we worked on that was, a, um, it's actually one of the cases we're gonna see here. It was an undiagnosed lameness. We treated one foot and the horse had abnormal um, sole growth on all four feet. And there was a, um, two vets were involved in that um, and one was a podiatrist and they were shocked at how much soul growth there was on all four feet and we were only treating one. Wow. Well, that's one of the things that I, I pointed out to Joyce uh, two days ago is Al's back feet look the best they have ever looked. Now he's got uh, glue on shoes on the front, so I really can't see what's happening with the bottom of his front feet, but his back feet uh, um, and significant improvement over what they have looked like this past year. Yeah. Um, and you have not been treating his back feet. That's no, right. I, haven't been, I haven't been touching his back feet other than not even to clean them out. And, you know, they look beautiful. Um, and we're also in a, in a time of the year in which there normally is not a lot of foot growth. And we've had very wet conditions, which are not his favorite. No, so normally in the winter, time, his feet look awful. Um, and so I'm, I'm really pleasantly surprised. Okay. <laughs> I'll show you tomorrow when I see Steve, I'll show you what his back feet look like. Okay. Any other questions about this case? It doesn't seem to be. Okay. So let's move on. Yep. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay, so this is, um, I'll just set this one up real quickly, Joyce. This is, a, yep. again, this is a severe lam lam laminized case, chronic case. 
Um, the reason we're showing this video is to show the improved mobility after one treatment. Um, and so this, uh, this horse was in severe pain and really couldn't move at all. And so you'll see from these, um, the first video to the second one, how different it was. Okay, and then the second one. So in, in this case, the owner, um, the owner, the trainer, and then there was a, um, a vet tech who was working on this case too, were surprised at how much, um, how much better this horse moved, but also uh, just that it actually wanted to go out into the grass, whereas before it really wasn't interested in going outside. Um, and so again, if you can, what we found is if you can get the horse moving at least, um, it really does help with the recovery in addition to, to continued uh, therapy. Well, um, Joyce, isn't it true that like when a horse is standing around, that foot really isn't functioning well because it's just statically standing there with a load and really what feet need to be healthy is movement. Absolutely, because the, horse, the horse's foot, we tend to think of it as sort of this hard immovable lump on the end of the leg but if you've listened to some of Wendy's other um, webinars particularly with um, Dr. Bob Bowker you realize that there's an incredible amount of movement incredible amount of physiology in that foot and it is designed to move because in the in nature in the wild a horse moves 20 hours out of the day. And so if they are constantly moving 20 hours out of the day, that hoof is designed in part for the blood flow to be enhanced by movement. So when we take a horse and stand them still, even if they are in a lot of pain, that foot does not have good natural circulation and it's harder to heal because we've been talking about getting, getting blood in in order for healing to take place and in order for the waste products to carry out. And so these laminitic guys that are standing around are not enhancing their healing by standing still. They need to move. They just need, they need to be able to move safely. And when horses are comfortable and willing to move, it is normally quite safe unless you're gonna take them out and overdo it mm -hmm. because they're only gonna move if they're comfortable. If that lamina is able to move, it is healing. And if they're able to walk on it. So when you see these kinds of changes, it's not like giving some butte to mask pain and get them moving this is moving because they feel better. And when they feel better, healing is taking place. 
So it's basically, we've got to get the cycle moving in a positive direction, literally moving. But if you're painful, you're not going to move. You're just going to stand there. And then we're in a downward cycle. So even if it's simply pain relief, just getting these horses moving is going to make them better. That's, but this is pretty impressive. The difference in two days. Yeah. And the, the, some of the laminitis cases, and I, you've got to have more than 15 laminitis cases, Steve. I would say the last thing. (laughs) But um, and one of the ones locally here that's, that's super impressive is one that was sort of a, a Barbaro type of case with the one leg was injured and all of the weight because of the, the casting and the, the type of wound injury that the horse had, all of his weight was on one leg. Well, a horse's legs can't really handle all the weight, again, not moving. And so the foot tries, the, the foot basically, the lamina can't support it you get a laminitis and the foot basically tries to die on you because it cannot support 100% of the weight of the other injured leg. And that horse is now walking around the field. Um, and he and was treated doing, with the CO2. Um, and you yep. saw those changes. I remember you telling me about this horse. You saw those changes very rapidly. Yes, yes. Because he was, he was he was very close to being put down. And within just a few treatments, it was very obvious that this was helping him. Yeah, and the other thing, interesting thing about that horse is the, the area at the cornet band was, um, was starting to separate. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. after 10 days of treatment, the, the difference in the way that looked was, um, was completely different. It was, it looked, you know, it took, it took several weeks for it to, to look healthy, but you could obviously tell there was a change there. And, um, and yeah, he, that the horse is living outside in the field now. Wow. Have you used CO2 to treat navicular cases? Um, I don't really have any, I, I can't say I have any navicular cases that, um, to speak of at the moment. Um, so I, I, I can't. It, well, as far as a true navicular case that, cause we're kind of moving away from the term navicular disease and looking at caudal heel pain as a more accurate term. And as we look at the feet with MRIs and um, detailed ultrasound, we're actually realizing that the term navicular disease is it's an old fashioned term now, even though people still refer to it. And we're really most of the time or much of the time able to identify that we actually have ligamentous injuries in the foot because the foot has all these complicated little tiny ligaments holding the navicular bone up, holding the bones together. And so there actually are cases that in the old days, we would have called navicular disease. Um, Rosie is, is one of the cases that in the old days, um, a big halflinger mare, um, and she probably would have been identified as navicular, and yet she was actually identified as a ligamentous injury down in the foot. She had had quite a bit of treatment 
from conservative treatment from rest and anti-inflammatories and did not do well at all. Kept coming back up lame. And she has improved and is sound and is doing clinics and, and doing great. Um, there was another big, huge dressage horse. That... And, and you treated Rosie with the CO2. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that was the only thing that had been done for her that made a difference. Um, she, had, she had had some other treatments that um, a couple of them really didn't do that well with her. So there was a big, huge dressage horse, again, that had some chronic ligamentous injuries down, down, I believe that one was down the foot, the big, huge 17 hand horse. Yes. And so again, that is a, a horse that 20 years ago, we would have said that would be navicular disease. And now we're just drifting away from that terminology. But in fact, the CO2 is making a huge difference because the biggest problem down in that part of the foot is there is no blood flow, <laughs> not very good blood flow at all. There are and blood vessels, so, but it's not like you have a lot going through. No, no. And so these little ligaments down there, they don't stand a chance when they get injured. And the CO2 is, is, the, is the perfect treatment for it and is, does seem to be working. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, you always say a muscle injury is going to heal pretty quickly. A tendon injury is going to take a little longer, but a ligament injury, because there's so little blood flow, you know, if you've ever twisted your ankle, those are the ones that just take forever to heal. So I, I can see where the idea of moving away from the term navicular and actually now that we have that, like you say, we have MRIs, we can see what's going on with these ligaments that this would be a great treatment because there's so little blood flow. To ligaments. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing that I would just say is that we have we also have good research on healing of bone fractures. So um, any kind of bone conditions uh, in the lower leg, um, we can have an impact on. Interesting. Ha, um, just out of curiosity, have you used uh, CO two with cancer? There are certain kinds of tumors that it's been used with, um, and I don't have any information for you on that today, but um, yeah, there are certain kinds where they were able to reduce the size of, of tumors um, using our therapy. Okay. All right. You got another case study for us? I do. All, All right. right. Move on here. Do it. All right. So this is a, an undiagnosed lameness case, um, and it's a great case for our therapy, because um, as you'll see, this horse was uh, this horse was lame for about six months. Uh, they couldn't figure out what the problem was. Um, in the end, again, our, our therapy is non-invasive. Uh, there's no reason not to try it. And so this owner was kind of at her wit's end. Um, we did a standard protocol. And so you'll see here uh, how much different uh, this horse looked afterwards. This is also the horse that I was talking about where the vets were surprised at how much hoof growth there was um, uh, on all four feet. So soul depth growth, let's show you. Okay. 
Okay, and I'm going to start this one about here because he's he didn't want to co cooperate at the time. Let's see. Wow. And this is within a month. Within a month, yeah. And again, the source, they, they had tried a number of different modalities um, and they, they just couldn't identify what the, the lameness was. So. Um, Seems like uh, it's a great, I mean, there's undiagnosed lameness or lameness that can't, can't be resolved, uh, sorted out what it is, is not uncommon. I have a horse with that problem right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm really hopeful of this. Well, and you know, if, if you can't figure out what the, determine what the lameness is, I mean, diagnostics can be expensive and it, obviously there are cases where people are going to keep trying different, um, diagnostic, um, options. And this is something where, uh, if you could resolve it, uh, with three weeks of treatment, um, that, that is an option at least. Yeah. Joyce, you wanted to say something? Well, some some of these undiagnosed lamenesses can be these small small ligaments, small tendon attachments, and they really are difficult to find. And you can spend sometimes five thousand, ten thousand dollars trying to find what is a small but painful injury. And and having had a, a wrist injury myself this spring that was in a ligament that was probably a half an inch long, but knowing how much pain it created, um, I, can, I can understand how these guys limp when there's just a small thing and yet we can't find it because it is, take, it is in a small place. And it's really nice to be able to non-invasively treat these guys. Yeah, I, I, you know, what you can spend on diagnostics, like you said, it can cost you more than the horse is worth. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Pretty quickly. Um, but we love them. So we, you know, we want to do right by them and, and um, you know, access when we can, but not everybody can even get to that kind of diagnostic, uh, um, you know, like MRIs and things like that. They're not even available in a lot of places. Yeah. One, one, another thing I'll say about this, and we've, and we've done this with Joyce and, so, and a number of other vets, is um, if you've got somebody that's in a remote area, we can ship in our, our product um, and they can treat in the barn. And we, we, I can, I've done things remotely with people so I can show them how to use it. If they have questions, we have videos. So it works really well in remote areas where maybe a vet is not as um, accessible as in other places. Yep. And um, having a little experience with myself, it's, you get better at with, with doing it, right? Like just figuring right. out how to get the bag on, how to wrap it, how to put the vet wrap on. I'm still trying to learn how to tear the vet wrap nicely the way you can, but <laughs> <laughs> scissors work great, you know, That's right. um, and the horses are, you know, like they're not, at least my experience working with Al and not having done it before and didn't have you there to even coach me just kind of, you know, figuring this thing out with Joyce's help. Um, it was not complicated. It's not an, an, a difficult process. Yeah. That's, that's one of the beauties of it. It doesn't even require electricity. Yep. 
Yep. So you can be somewhere really remote. Oh, makes me think. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got a. We have just have a couple more here. Real quick here. Ten seconds. Um, this is a, was a pretty severe. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll let you talk about it, Joyce. But this was a, a pretty severe injury, um, and there was separation at the uh, the back of the foot. Um, I was told by uh, a vet I worked with that this would not heal without a boot. We never put a boot on this, and it healed beautifully. Um, Joyce, you want to talk about that at all? Yeah this this was a this was a deep abscess that came up through the foot and these types of wounds, the, the actual cartilage that is in yeah. the, the hoof was exposed. Um, it was an infection in that it was an abscess. It's down in an area that has terrible blood flow. It's down in an area that has a lot of movement every time the horse takes a step or just loads the leg there's movement of the skin. One of the toughest places to heal on a horse. And um, for this to heal as rapidly as it did, as well as it did, is, um, is nothing short of a miracle, really. And basically a straight line trajectory of healing. There, was, there were no setbacks. There were probably a few days in which it might not have looked quite perfect, but it was, it was basically a straight line of healing. Um, this type of wound normally would take probably six months to heal and a huge amount of bandage material the kind of bandaged material where you're buying it by the truckload. And uh, so this ended up healing. Um, they were bandaging, but they weren't, they weren't bandaging any excessive amount, were they, Steve? No, no. Um, and, and not restricting the horse's movement. And, uh, and no proud flesh. Not, not, no, you, you need some proud flesh. You can see proud flesh, proud flesh is actually needed to fill holes in. Right. But I'm but not, not that excessive. You don't get that excessive amount. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you have to trim a little bit of it off. Sure. And, uh, and that's perfectly normal. That's normal wound management on a horse, but um, you can see how healthy that tissue looks. That redness there is, is healthy, well-oxygenated tissue. Right. No infection. There was no secondary infections. Um, normally with the cartilage exposed like that, the risk of an infection on the cartilage, which is kind of like bone, is significant. This was, um, this is a great case to, to really look at, at what this therapy is capable of doing. And how often was the horse being treated? It went through the standard protocol. Um, it was a three-week treatment. And then um, they were doing treatment twice a week after that. Wow. So, so five, five days on for three weeks, off. five days on, two days off. And then every other day for three weeks. And then after that, they were treating uh, twice a week until... Um, you know, by the, by the, by March, um, 
at this point, they had not been treating anymore. I, I took that picture when I went back up. So that it actually looked this way, uh, the 324 picture. I only had that picture there because that's just when I got back up there to take it. But it, it was, as Joyce said, that, you know, the healing momentum um, was well underway within the three-week period. I think that's a good word to use, momentum, that you get the body started and it's like, Yes, you come back and do it again, but you get that cycle going in a positive direction. That's right. It builds on itself. That's really, really impressive. One, one last thing I'll say about this case is that they were treating this, it was zero degrees outside. So this, this works in any environment. It was literally zero degrees when, when they were uh, doing these treatments and it, it worked uh, beautifully, so. Yeah, it's nice not to have to have a temperature dependent Ooh, wow. Okay, tell us about this one. <laughs> so this, uh, this case, uh, this actually was at Fer Fernando Cardenas's um, practice. Um, this is why I met you, Wendy. I was working on this case when I was down there. Oh, wow. And so what happened was I got the call that they had this case. I went down, the leg was, um, was so large that uh, the cover looked like a footy around the, the base of the foot. I couldn't even get it on. We had, I had to make a special cover for this leg. Um, and this, this, again, I think this was about two years in the making. This horse had an, an, a, a wound. The, the owner was incapacitated and wasn't able to take care of the horse. Um, they brought the horse to the clinic and it stayed there while they did the treatment and they were doing uh, icing, uh, ice baths and other things. Uh, as well, but when we started these treatments, it had an almost immediate effect on that leg, as you can see here. Um, uh, and then the um, they continued. They did a, a they did a normal cycle of treatments, and then they were so it was it was five days on, two days off, and then every other day for three weeks, and then they were doing treatments um, twice a week through the summer. Uh, but I'm going to let Joyce talk about this. But there was a lot of compromised tissue in this because this this had been going on for a long time yeah the biggest problem with these lymphangitis cases the chronic ones is that the vascular structure the blood vessels and the lymphatic vessels the lymphatic vessels are passive vessels that carry fluid back up the leg and they they really rely on movement to move the lymph and fluid back up into the center of the body. But the blood vessels, the, the entire circulation becomes compromised. And that's one of the reasons these things are so hard to heal up. And even once you get them healing, using some of the alternative therapies that I do, you still don't usually get legs that go back to almost normal. And if you look at the dimension of this leg when they started and the dimension of it, what, three months later, yeah, it's, it is close to being back to normal. And what happens there is that the blood vessels then can function and the lymphatic vessels can function. So when you're looking at the leg in its huge distension, part of the problem is, is that even if the horse is walking or able to walk on it, the lymph, the lymph, that fluid, doesn't have anywhere to go because the lymphatic vessels are, are so swollen. It's like putting rubber bands all the way up the leg. 
there's just the ability for that leg to have normal circulation isn't there. It just can't. And when you end up with a leg with a normal dimension, the lymphatic vessels can do their job. The blood vessels can do their job and the healing can take place. So here with the CO2, you are telling the body to bring in that circulation and carry out all that debris because in those big fat legs, there's a lot of cellular debris, junk that is cluttering up the movement of the blood. And that's what you can end up achieving in, in probably one of the worst cases of lymphangitis that I've seen. Well, and, he, and looking at the wound too, I mean, it's not just the lymphangitis, the wound looks right. like just a, a little scar there at 8.30.19. Yeah, yeah. And anything, I think the wound occurred two years ago when all of this started. So that wound had not healed well either. Right. And the wound ended up healing and the circulation got restored and the leg goes back to, you know, normal with a scar and the scar may not be perfect. And there's a, there's a couple of other lymphangitis cases. Um, actually you've done, you've done a fair number of those and some of them, many chronic lymphangitis cases, you go through cycles and they'll get a lymphangitis case once a year, twice a year, they'll get a lymphangitis flare up every time they get a little scratch on their leg or sometimes when you can't even find the scratch, you just go out one day and they've got another a flare up. And I know there's at least one case that flared regularly and uh, they haven't had a flare in two years, I think. That's right. Talk That's to right. Yeah. Not one. So, so I to ask, um, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, uh, Steve, someone is asking if the protocol is the same for all the, is there a different protocol for each type of issue that you're treating? You know, for the most part, we're, you're going to follow the standard protocol. But if so, say you're dealing with uh, something like this, or you're dealing with, um, uh, some kind of severe um, laminitis case. Um, what we believe is, again, once you can start this, this healing momentum, you can cut way back and may, you may be doing one treatment um, every two weeks over a, a period of time or once every three weeks. Um, we've worked on uh, arthritis cases where they're doing treatments on, and those are canine cases. Um, they're doing a treatment every other week and it, um, that is effective. So uh, for the most part, we're, we're starting with the standard protocol and then we're, we're leaving it to the vet to decide um, if there's something they wanna do different. But if it's, if it's something chronic that's gonna take time to heal, we're gonna do the initial protocol, then we'll cut back and you'll do uh, less treatments over time. Okay. Does that answer the question? I think so. Okay. I know with, with Al, we've been doing twice a week because we're kind of looking at a long-term hoof growth, yes. which is quite different than something like lymphangitis or uh, some of these acute injuries. So, and I will say we're, something we are working a lot on right now is hoof growth. And in those cases, um, what we believe is, is um, sufficient is to do, that's why we're doing twice a week because we don't think you need to do any more than that, but you want to do it over time. Right. Um, but we, we are, we are seeing dramatic um, 
growth, uh, soul depth um, in a lot of these cases we're working on. The, um, the, the slower something is to change, like foot growth, the less you have to do things frequently, whereas the laminitis, the, the lymphangitis, the inflammatory, or the very painful, that's where that five-day kind of kickstart everything, again, bringing the blood flow in, but also getting the debris out so that the healing can really start. And then being able to cut back is uh, that seem, seems to be the most beneficial. This is a pretty dramatic case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna show you this, this is a cellulitis case uh, that also had some, some wounds that were healed as well. And again, this was a chronic, chronic case that, um, that healed, that they, they had very quick results with. Um, and they have not had any flare-ups since we did these treatments. And are you finding that pretty consistently with the lymphangitis and cellulitis issues? That well, with, with the cellulitis, um, for sure, uh, lymphangitis is a little bit different. And, and um, we do believe that in lymphangitis cases, sometimes you're going to have to do, um, you know, you'll have to do a treatment every two weeks or, or even, even once a month. Um, to make sure that you don't have any more flare-ups. I'm working on a, a cellulitis case right now that again, chronic case, and this has been going on for years and years. And they, we, I've been treating this horse for um, two weeks and they, they said the, the leg has never looked better. And usually with this horse, because it, sometimes it has to stand in a stall, the leg will blow up on a regular basis. And it is not, they've had no issues with it since we started. So we'll, we'll That'll be a case study at some point soon. Cool. All right, so there's a question here for Dr. Har well, Dr. Harmon is helping me with my Gelding's hind end suspensory ligament injury. Um, is this a therapy available only through vets or could I do it myself? Would I purchase the equipment, rent it, and what is the cost? So the, it goes through the veterinarians because it's, it's an FDA and it's medical, um, but it is, done through like, you know, people that are working with me or working with, with their, even their local veterinarian, they can either rent the device um, and then just purchase the, the CO2 portion of it. And then when they're finished, return the device. Um, devices can be some of the vets or, and some people actually want to own a device that can be organized as well. And the general price is set for the, by the veterinarians, depending on the situation and um, the, for the three weeks, usually what I charge is around $1,200 and that can last for three to four weeks. Depends a little bit on the case as to how, how long it lasts, how often the treatments have to be. And, um, and for you know what period? Sometimes you'll use a device for several months. So basically, then what you're saying is that the because it's FDA uh, medical grade CO2, it's it's got to come through vets. But that veterinarians can have their clients use the uh, equipment and do the treatments themselves. Um, and basically, Absolutely. 
yeah, go ahead. A absolutely, and it, it's um, it's the it's the kind of thing that can be mailed out to uh, to clients, to people, wherever they are. I have also worked with some veterinarians. There were some clients who live far away. Their veterinarians are interested, and so instead of them working through me, we set the veterinarians up, the local veterinarians up with devices, and they handle it. But it could be mailed to the backwoods of Alaska, and you can do it there because it is such a portable, such a portable device. Right, and for for these kinds of cases, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. And, you know, at first you kind of go, well, it seems like a lot of money. But then if you look at, let's say that the pastern wound case, you can have $5,000 in, in uh, bandage costs over six months in healing it traditionally. And all of a sudden, um, $1,200 starts to look really, really cheap. Um, not to mention the fact that you've just shaved six months or three, three months plus off of the healing. The, when you're dealing with many of these tendon and ligament cases, some of those, your therapies are going to be expensive. You may be looking at things like um, shockwave therapy, which is not inexpensive. And I, I don't know what all the vets are charging for that. You're looking at some of the, um, the other injections and you're also looking at a lot of time off. And so the ability to get some of these horses back sound and functional in a period of one to two months versus six months of rest and re slow rehabilitation, you start to look at it from a very different perspective economically because in a performance horse, two or three months faster healing is huge. That's half a season of competition. Right, so, so we haven't really looked at those cases specifically, but what it sounds like is that this is really beneficial for like a suspensory or a tendon. Mm-hmm, yes. All of those, and, and those are some of those other cases that, that we hadn't put up, like the case I mentioned of Rosie with the ligament injury in the, in the hoof. Big, heavy, drafty mare. Um, really difficult area to heal. And within a... Uh, a couple of months, she was basically sound. Um, to go back into work, she was probably another, probably a total of four months. How long do you think Rosie yeah, about was? Four months. About four months. Um, but she had already been lame for six months, and the gelding that was in the picture had also been lame for six months. So you have six months invested in trying to figure out what's going on, and then you have two to four months back to full performance. I, and I will say real quickly about the, the um, dressage horse, um, uh, Pumpkin. Pumpkin is a 19 hand horse and just beautiful, but he was lame in a stall for two years that she, the owner had, had um, she'd gotten her uh, silver medal in dressage and she couldn't ride him. And um, we started working with him and he was sound within a month. And, um, there was some, there was some, uh, you know, some, the fair, she, she also found a new farrier and they changed the shoeing uh, after that, but um, it had an immediate impact on this horse and it was a very heavy horse. 
Um, and it moves and very it, yeah. large. And, yeah. and she's going for metal now. So. Wow. So, so um, if someone was like, watch this webinar and was interested, had a horse that had uh, some type of illness or injury that they thought this would benefit, how do they go about like, like Dr. Harmon obviously um, supports this and, and stands by it, but how do we, how, how would someone watching this webinar go about talking to their veterinarian about trying this treatment for their horse? Uh, well, they can do a couple. So, of, oh, go ahead, Joyce. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say um, they, they could talk to, they could, uh, they can contact me directly. They can talk, contact Joyce. Um, we can provide information to the vet. They can go to our website, but I, I'm sure Joyce has other thoughts. Yeah. So if the, if the veterinarian is interested, there's the resources on the website. There's a, there's a whole veterinary section that is, you know, once you sign up as a veterinarian, there's some more research papers and stuff available. Um, the veterinarians that are interested can talk to Steve and, you know, just organize the whole thing. The, for people whose veterinarians are not interested, which it's a new thing. A lot of people don't understand it yet as more and more research gets done. And this is one of the great things about the company is that they're really interested in supporting research. And Steve is really good at talking, people, talking to people and organizing research. And as that research gets done, it's gonna be easier and easier for the veterinarians to go, oh, okay, well, I've heard of this and be willing to do it. If people are interested, but their veterinarians are not interested, um, I can, I certainly, I do telephone consultations and I can certainly talk to people. It's a good idea to do, I have kind of a short consultation to make sure it's gonna be a good case. And then we can set that up. Steve can help you get started and it doesn't matter if you're in Alaska or um, Timbuktu. We haven't sent any to Timbuktu, have you, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) But that's great because, you know, I know that people are gonna watch this webinar and they're gonna have a horse with an issue and, um, you know, have, so, as you say, you know, it's typically the worst case scenario. This is the horse's last chance that we try new and innovative things. Um, unfortunately, that just seems to be the way things are. Um, but there are people out there that have horses that really need some help. And this certainly uh, seems like a, a reasonable thing to attempt to see if it's going to help on some of these really chronic long term cases and hopefully as more like anything as as it becomes more known and we see the results then it will become more mainstream because i think the fact that it's so non-invasive is is and something that the owner can be doing as opposed to having to have the vet keep coming out to do the treatment is a huge benefit absolutely yes because you need to you need to be able to to have tools that you can do yourself, mm-hmm. that um, it's most people don't have a clinic nearby that they can just throw the horse on the trailer and stop by for a treatment. 
and to have the veterinarian show up at your place every day for a treatment is is cost prohibitive and time prohibitive. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the really cool things about this is is how powerful it is, how safe it is, and how simple it is to do in the field. Yep. The probably the sure. most important thing when you're doing this, if you're doing both front feet, is to keep the horse from stepping on the bag on the other foot, right, Steve? That's right. <laughs> That's why we take the hay cart. We have this great little hay cart holds a bale of hay. And I park it in front of Al and I let him munch away so that he keeps his feet separated and doesn't step on that bag. Yeah, I would say one other thing to, to both your points is that uh, what is nice about this is even though it's a medical therapy, um, it does empower the owner. So they're, they're actually doing something with the horse that that's, can be beneficial. And, and again, I've seen because of, of where we've been in new technology, we've, we've worked some really severe cases, osteomyelitis cases that they were, they were told, owners were told to put the horse down and it, did, it had no chance to survive. And the, we've got multiple cases like that where those horses are, are alive and, and they're working. So um, I, we, we like the fact that, that this empowers the, the owner uh, in their relationship with the vet to, to treat their animal. Awesome. So Steve, do you have a slide where people can find more information? I do, yeah, I'll show you that. This, is, this slide here shows you some of the other things that we, uh, we treat commonly, everything from uh, laminitis to scratches. Um, let's see here. So this is the last page and it's got uh, Joyce's information on the, the left and then my information on the right. Um, is that your phone? Yeah, that is your phone number, isn't it, Joyce? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, With cell phones these days, nobody knows phone numbers anymore. Yeah, that's a really funny. Okay, so harmonyequine.com with an A, Harmony. Um, and Steve, yours is air, airjectorvet. Airjectorvet.com, airjectorvet.com. Okay, and I just want to let everybody know, Steve's really easy to talk to. So, you know, if you want to give him a call and chat with him, he drives around a lot. So I'm sure he can talk to you in his car. Always. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, comes down twice a week to work with me and my horse at Joyce's, which is just, it's been so great and really uh, wonderful to get to know you, Steve, and uh, a pleasure, actually. Um, and this is Thanks, Wendy. Great. I've enjoyed it very much. And, um, and again, I, I'm, I'm here to help. But the great thing about this is you don't, you don't need me to help. I, I can, uh, once, once you talk to your vet or to Joyce, um, the, the therapy is very simple to use. So. Great. So if anybody has any last questions, just pop in the chat or the Q&A. It seems like pretty, everybody's pretty happy. Otherwise, we'll just wrap this up. And I want to thank you both so much for joining me this evening um, to talk about this because, you know, we've, we've had conversations, but it's so nice to have a presentation where it's, it's, you really get to see some case studies like this because you've told me about them. But when you see those pictures, that's just a, a, a game changer. That's great. Well, thank you, Wendy and, and Joyce. Thanks for participating as well. Really appreciate it. Great. And what's today? Today's oh, is, Go ahead, Joyce. It's an exciting therapy and it's fun. It's fun to be able to share it because it's, it really does. It does empower, empower you as the owner and it, it, and it really helps the horses. Yeah. And they, they don't mind it. I mean, that's the thing that's really interesting is they know when something's helping them. And uh, they're, they're happy to have this.
Great. All right. So um, tomorrow I have Ann Ramsey at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're going to talk about hooves. Um, so she's a, she does rehabilitation therapy as a farrier. Please join us tomorrow. And just remember that you can um, subscribe to the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel so that you get this and all the other webinars notifications when I put them up. And I just want to thank both Joyce and Steve so much for joining me tonight. It's been a real pleasure and it's just really fun to see this exciting new technology coming to the fore. Thanks, Wendy. Great. Thanks, Wendy. And, and uh, you're, you've put together such a, a wealth of knowledge that uh, great to be a piece of that. Absolutely. It's really fun. It's really fun. All right. Thank you so much. And everybody have a great night and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye.